Hey, fellow pirates, welcome back to 27 Rouge, a Quillette podcast where your dreams come to dance. This week, I sit down with comedian Ami Kozak, best known for his impersonations of celebrities like Jordan Peterson and Gary Vaynerchuk. This was probably one of the funniest hours of my life, and also the most interesting, or one of the most interesting. I think what makes this guy great is the degree to which he's attuned to those little intricacies that make up a person's character. All our tics and tells and expressions, Ami's onto them. He reads between the lines and picks up on the body language and expressions that we never even knew were there. This episode features impersonations of Alex Jones, Bill Burr, Brett Weinstein, Charlie Sheen, my cameraman Chris Muller, Dave Portnoy, Eric Weinstein, Gary Vaynerchuk, Heather Hang, Jake Paul, Jordan Peterson, Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Harris, Steve Irwin, Tim Dillon, Vince Neal, and yours truly. And yes, that was read in alphabetical order, certainly not in order of importance. Happy listening. All right, Ami, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Scott. I appreciate it. So I guess, you know, I just want to start off with a bit of background. Mm. Tell me about yourself. You know, where'd you grow up? How'd you first get interested in comedy? And, uh, what are you up to these days? I'm a native New Jersey boy. I actually um, spent most of my professional life as a musician. Okay. Uh, for the last you know, 10, 15 years, I have been uh, making music for film and TV. I started playing the bass guitar in high school, and I've always been a singer and played in bands in high school and college. And then I went to the Berklee College of Music for school, where I studied mm. music for film and TV. And then spent two years in New York writing music for television commercials that eventually took me out to L.A. Okay. When I was in L.A., that was in around 2011. Yeah. I formed a band there called Distant Cousins, and we have been very active in writing and getting our music uh, placed in films, TV, commercials, trailers, shows, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then we started getting into some composing work as well, so we... And we also were performing all over L.A. and New York and would go around uh, doing our shows. So I was an active and I still am an active musician full time um, as a music producer, singer, songwriter and composer. And more recently, I would say with comedy over the past couple of years, comedy was always like this, you know, skill and talent that I wanted to tap into and do more of. It was more like a neglected child. So yeah, it was very much a part of me. Right, certainly socially, mm. doing impressions, making my friends laugh, uh, performing occasionally on the comedy side, but more more of that energy was put into music. But comedy mm. was this negle- neglected child, and also there wasn't as much of an outlet for it. Yeah. So for music, I was making records, I was putting stuff out there, but for comedy, it wasn't until TikTok really that yeah. I started to f- utilize it as an outlet for primarily comedy. So mm. I started using social media for just some music stuff and occasional comedy bits that I was posting on Instagram. And then I took to TikTok in like early 2019. And I said to myself, you know, I'm just going to try this. It's fairly new. No, it's not a household name yet. Yeah. been hearing about TikTok and I'll just put something up daily. And I started doing like impersonations and impressions <laughs> on a daily basis and using yeah. it consistently. And then one day I was sitting in my car and like a Gary V video popped up on my feed. I was like, oh, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me try this guy. <laughs> so I threw up my phone in the car. It was like 4 p.m. on a Thursday or something. 
And I was just like, I'm just so sick of fucking 20, 40 year olds complaining that they're not killing it. Right. Like if you want to win, fucking move to Louisiana and start a fucking peanut butter brand. Right. Like fucking peanut butter. Okay. So I put up this video and I watch it a few times. I'm like, maybe I can, maybe I can refine it. Whatever. Should I post? Should I not post? I've been posting sort of five days a week. Five, yeah, every day, five days a week except the weekend <laughs> up until this point for like two months. And then this video, I said, all right, I'll post it. That was like 4 p.m. And I was getting a couple hundred views on a video, maybe right. a thousand here or there, maybe one 10K or no big deal. I was just like, you know, just doing it consistently. That was the point. Then an hour later, I like refresh like 14,000 views. I was like, geez, what? I start refreshing the video, 14,000, 25K, 50K. And the next morning it was at like 140,000. And then by the weekend it was at like half a million views. This one Gary V video. <laughs> then Barstool Sports reached out to me. And Dave, featured whatever it. his name is. No, uh, not Dave Portnoy. No, 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 not Dave Portnoy directly. He, he wanted to do a review. He was like, you're not, you're not. That's No, no. Barstool Sports. I don't know if it was Dave directly. It was just yeah. his channel. I haven't done a Dave Portnoy video, but I want to. Which is like, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, that I don't one? care. No, I was going to do a Barstool, I digress, but I was going to do a Barstool Sports video where it's a one-by pizza spoof. Right. But instead of eating the pizza, I'm going to be fucking the pizzas. <laughs> one one thrust, everybody knows the rules. Oh, it's burning my cock like hot lava. Um, so I was going to do that. But anyway, long story short, the video goes viral, featured on Barstool yes. Sports for like 7 million people. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? This is crazy. And then I kind of leaned into that and started doing impersonations daily. A lot of Gary V stuff, other people too. Yeah. Um, a couple months later, I threw up a Jordan Peterson video on my YouTube channel and he had right. been absent for a while from the scene. And yeah. I just did like a random Jordan Peterson impression. And that one also kind of took off. So you started leaning into these different things and that helped me to grow a nice following on social media and helped teach me a lot about how the platforms work. And since then, I've been putting out a lot of content on a daily basis, growing an interesting audience in that social media space. And now I'm doing stand up and taking it out onto uh in front of live audiences so that's where i am right now that's how i arrived here hell, here <laughs> hell of an overview yeah you know i, I guess it's uh i think the it was byron who was a poet um who once wrote or said i don't know like i woke one morning to find myself famous mm. you chuck up a video about starting a peanut butter business in louisiana yeah. and the voice of gary vaynerchuk sure and uh you wake up with Half a million or half a billion view or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't so know. it does I, a lot know, of zeros. I think the consistency bef that predated it was the most important thing, more than the video itself. Because I've had a bunch of videos that do well along the way, but it's really about the consistent output of stuff that has helped to grow it. Right. Because if everyone arrived at my profile and there was nothing else there, like I don't think I would have retained anybody. Yeah. But I had two months of videos up. of the consistency. So of I really think it's really that, and sort of TikTok is was like this club that I was frequenting, mm. I became a regular guest. And so it sort of helped, I think, I don't know if, if that video itself would have done well if I wasn't a regular on the platform. I don't really know how the algorithm works, but once I was familiar and kind of comfortable in that. Knew the lay of the knew land. The, knew the lay of the land. I think that was a big part of it too. Yeah. I guess one thing I also want to dig into here is this music mm. Uh, impersonation connection because mm -hmm. when I think of you know I mean we were sitting here before this interview started and you were going <laughs> through various different accents which right. were hilarious including you know Australian accents whatever right yeah, <laughs> yeah like that exactly I mean, yeah, like yeah. that yeah, sure. um, and I think 
I could never do this. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a writer of words. I like reading. Yeah. Um, but when I talk to my friends who are musicians, you know, they, they can hear a song and then they, they can, sometimes they can just start playing it themselves on piano or guitar or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, or they can sort of hear something and then visualize what the notes actually are going to be. And right. you know, you're, you're a musician too. So yeah. when you hear, when you heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk for the first time in this video, or I mean, you, maybe you heard him before you hear uh, Steve Irwin talking on, on TV or Dave Portnoy or whoever, um, and you want to do an impression of them. Do you think to yourself linguistically, like, oh, like what's the intonation that I need to do? Or is it, is there a similar relationship to between what you sort of, how you go about creating your impersonations and how you go about, you know, thinking about like creating music? It's a good question. The, I think that, um, maybe even subconsciously, you know, I don't know. I think with impressions, it's more, I don't know if the word is subconscious, but it's more automatic or automated. Right. Where it's like a light switch that turns on. And sometimes it takes a second to discover what that, what, what the, like it is about somebody like yeah. an impersonation, but there's always like a factor, certain ticks or something that somebody has that you go, Oh, and you hone in on that's what it is. Yeah. And with music, it's a little more technical, like, okay, it's in this key. The song is in this key. It play it, it, it's based on these scales. Mm. Um, and I, I, when you study music enough, you can, you can learn to identify those patterns. So you can hear something and say, yeah, yeah, oh, I know that's a minor pentatonic scale. I can hear the scale. Um, so it's a little bit more of a technical process on the music side of things. But um, you are you have trained your ear as you. So I've trained saying. my ear on uh, with music. I can tell you what interval relationships are between notes and things like that. Um, but Do with with impressions, it's 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 not something I I, I it's, it would be harder to teach somebody to do it. It's more like a. Uh, my physical reactions and and abilities to form an impression kind of respond to what I can pick up on. Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, with Gary, I picked up on the like, 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 oh, I, I see what he's doing. So it's like, 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 I'm like, so once I was in on that, I'm like, oh, okay. And then over time, you're like, there, air. And then you can, after the fact, I would say with music, it's more before the fact. And with impressions, it's like after the fact, I can dissect to you what the things are, but it's more like you have to crack it. Right. You have to crack that code of what a person is. Mm. And with Gary, a lot of it's visual too. It's barely the sounds. It's like, imagine looking at a mirror. Instead of seeing yourself, you see, say, Gary, right? You're, or Jordan Peterson. Do you somebody. visualize the so other person you're impersonating? If I, if I, yeah, if I look back at what the impression is, I'll be like, oh, Gary, so. <laughs> and I'm in. That's it. I'm there. Right? Like, And if I was going to go to Jordan, like on some real shit, right? Like, I would. Mm. Yes. But my face already is mimicking what I, in my inner self, inside, you know, it's like, it's like, well, I see and identify with a persona that's reflecting back at me in various presuppositions across time, you know? So it's like, you know, and then there's Melo Jordan. Well, I simply detest that, <laughs> you know, but I see it and mimic it and it informs every bodily movement I can bloody make. So, and if there was somebody else, I don't know, like, and then it's like, crikey, like, I can just get into Crocodile Hunter. Right? I remember that. Wow. Look at that. 
And you know, if you were going to go to the opponent, Sarge got fucking rocked. So you go to certain words. You watch impressionists; they always anchor to certain words to snap them into it. Mm. You know, like Gary's like, like okay, like it's real shit, like for sure. And sometimes the impression over time gets a little more integrated, right? Where you can be more more lax with it, more yeah. loose. Say whatever the fuck you bloody want. You know, you can kind of make it your own, yeah. And then you exaggerate it a little. So that's sort of the process with impressions, where it's not like you're just trying to figure out note for note what's going on, but it is. I'm sure there's a similar part of the brain working here, especially with identifying pitch, timbre, intonation. Mm. There's a melodic component to it. <laughs> and it's almost like music. You know, ha, ha it's instantaneously meaningful. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so whoever it is, there are certain things Then, if you can't figure it out, you have to sort of start to get technical. Like, what is it? Oh, his, the tongue is wider. Right. You know, you'll watch footage, you'll rewatch well, it. I'll look at it again. If I'm trying to get it, I'm like, well, what is it? If a person really strikes me as imitatable, I'll be like, sometimes I can crack it, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, what am I getting wrong? When I listen, I can tell where it's like, oh, that's not, that's not consistent with what that, how they would say it. But it's, mm. I don't know if you, I don't know, give me an example. I can, I don't know. Oh, I have a few scenarios. We'll go scenarios, Sure. But like, I don't know, Brett, intellectual dark web people, Brett <laughs> Weinstein, like I noticed he would say like, we need to be careful. <laughs> Brett Weinstein, what he was talking about, but we need to be very careful. And there's like a, there's a way in which the words round. And I, I, I know exactly when I hear careful, you watch his lips, you place the face, tongue goes wide. And there you have Brett Weinstein. And it's deeper, <laughs> obviously, with intonation. Eric Weinstein's a little bit of that like a uh, weird flamboyant sort of thing. Eric is a little there. And Sam is very mellow. <laughs> and well, so there's speech patterns. There's timbre, pitch, uh, you know. But some- the anchors, this is interesting. It's like if, you know. Chris, our our lovely cameraman, mm. um, or anyone else is like, oh, hey, Ami, you know, yeah. impersonate this person. It's like, in order to go on command or to be able to like whip it out, mm-hmm. you, there's sort of like um, interesting an, of words, an anchor but, yeah. thing that <laughs> um, <laughs> that sort of gets you into game mode. Right. Like now, now we can go from here. It's like the starting point. Right. And then, and then you're in character. Sure. Some people are more immediate and there are some people you could say a few words, but it's not fully integrated. Like you can say that or phrase. words or gestures or facial, whatever. And to me, it's like, you know, a certain phrase of the song, but you can't do the whole song or improvise over it quite yet because yeah. you have like a certain thing you can do. Um, but you get better, obviously. You over get better time. with it. Increment, sure. And you yeah. get more integrated. You can be flexible. And then, and then sometimes your impression takes on its own, persona on an, on its own yeah you have your own version of it that's like very a derivative much, yeah it's like its own unique character that it's still based on this person but the exaggerated form of it which is different yeah, yeah. it's like uh shadow whatever yeah. um i guess uh do you ever watch like game tape of yourself like watch your own impressions mm. next to with or say without sound do you ever like watch a video of yourself next to a video of Gary or I mean, Gary, you have down packed at this point, but mm. someone new and like, you know, review the game tape like a basketball player would. Um, I mean, I do watch the tapes cause I edit everything I do. So I in- invariably watch inevitably watch. I'm watching but to all. like, look for what, what's the teeth doing? What's the cheek doing? All that kind of shit. Yeah. It doesn't ever get, I mean, it doesn't get down to that fine a detail as much as I watch them. And I try to get it. Like if I, I know when something feels a little off or a little, not quite clicked in yet, you know? Right. Yeah. But, you know, as far as that process goes, I mean, even with your voice, as I watch you, I could, I could make a victim of you right now. Please. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you have like embarrass me, but if I place my voice back here a little bit, yours is a little further back, you know, and there's, I don't know you well enough yet to have the full picture, but there's uh if I'm just getting a little vibe, 
you know, there's uh, something there. And well, yeah, it's, you know, there's kind of, it's fetal stages. I don't really have it. We've only been speaking for about 20 minutes and little smiles and gestures and okay. And your cameraman's cracking up. So I'm onto something, right? You know, and uh, even if I shifted to him, there's like a, you can see Chris in me. You know, that's a poor choice of words too. But like little things. So yeah, that's you. You know, and so it's almost, it's barely the words almost. It's barely the sound. It's because so much of a person is just the essence. So if I was shifting essences, I'd, if I was you, I'd just be like, and Chris sees it, you know, and if <laughs> I was Chris. So anyway. Try not to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but that's interesting. You bring up an interesting point that so much of a person is their essence. There's so much yeah. communication we give mm-hmm. off that is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. I mean, riding the subway, Yeah, you know, they're unspoken rules when you're on a date there are unspoken rules it's like yeah. we communicate so much non-verbally sure um yeah. and i guess you have to be particularly i mean we're all hardwired to be attuned to that yeah i mean i've seen people do my impersonation of of a certain person say or like they're trying to do it but they're just they, picking they're up trying on, to impersonate you impersonating someone so else it's like oh they go like oh like like like, like. No, they do like the thing but they don't integrate like the <laughs> they'll take a piece you know, of it all they take oh, so you're picking slice. up on the on the the so it was hanging fruit of it. That's yeah. the obvious stuff. But if it's not fully integrated, it's really everything. It's like the way a person moves, the way they tilt their head. The t- we pick up on, as human beings, the most subtle of things. Yeah. You know? Um, like, on the, like Jordan Peterson is just, like, if I just did the, mm, the littlest things, the people yeah. are like, oh, my God. Like, they see it. Yeah. It strikes them. Like, oh, you know. So part of it is just leaning into those very unique particularities about any any character, any person, any individual. Yeah. You know? When you were talking about earlier writing music for television mm-hmm. and film, my mind, I have it written down here, my mind went straight to Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men. That's sure. how he made his money, was writing jingles for TV commercials and such back yeah. in the day. Was that what inspired you to get into the music for well, TV? I drank Tiger Blood and I just felt like I had to do this. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think I was doing it before that show was even. I never watched. No, this. I, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't watch Honestly, I was I was trying to coax you into doing a Sheen. Charlie Sheen. I haven't heard. Sometimes it like leaves your your inner ear of like what Charlie Sheen sounded like. But sort of like Charlie Sheen. I mean, I drank Tiger Blood and I became a jingle writer. And I don't really remember exactly. You know, when you haven't heard somebody in the public spotlight a while, you sort of sort of forget. But I, I, I drink Tiger Blood and Panther Blood. I actually drink Panther semen. That's really what does it. It's not just Tiger Blood. It's all big cats. It's a good chaser if you ever have uh, gin or vodka. I agree, to, uh, absolutely. I'm also uh, HIV. Yeah, all that shit about <laughs> HIV. Turns out we all was like, yeah, actually, this whole charade, I'm just HIV positive. Holy shit. Remember that? <laughs> anyway, that's Charlie Sheen. Um, maybe he got the HIV from Tiger Semen. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Um, how would you classify... <laughs> yourself segue out of that tiger semen yeah <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with a little bit of tiger semen you add a little yeah. bit of garlic some onion dice it up fry it you add don't a little bit of oil to, i get it i get it you know how would i class um, myself as well no i'd like to continue with this <laughs> yeah, you know okay. get down to the recipe <laughs> mm. um but no I, I mean i was gonna say in all seriousness and then i realized i'm interviewing a comedian mm. i'm not gonna say in all seriousness yeah um but you know i want to talk about how you classify yourself because mm. you're sort of in 
this new like creator space. Right. It used to be, I would think that you'd start off doing comedy shows, like doing stand up comedy. You'd, you know, make your way through the clubs and it was a fucking brutal business from mm-hmm. what I understand. People are mean and unforgiving and, you know, not nice. And it's, you know, you're, you try to go from club to club and build up your reputation. And that's how some of these big guys, made it to mm-hmm. have their own Netflix special, whether it's yeah. whoever, um, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. whatever, like back in their day, they're older guys. They were at the comedy clubs. Now, um, you know, we have TikTok, we have Instagram reels, we have uh, Facebook, we have all these ways to sort of give, not not a full routine, but like little clips. And that's, used to, I mean, you're mm-hmm. involved in this. So I guess how... Where do you see where do you see yourself in the space of like because you you do both live stand up and TikTok and then also how is the space transformed? I don't know anything about the comedy racket mm-hmm. or the comedy business. I mean, there's multiple avenues in now, right? You can have a teenager in the room making uh, TikToks. You could have you know people YouTubers like Jake and Logan Paul sure. built their little YouTube empire, mm-hmm. uh, or it's not so little like right. and then you know another boxers um, working on a Jake Paul actually so whatever. <laughs> I'm actually worth like 60 million. <laughs> plus, plus I, I, I bought a picture of a cartoon pigeon, which is worth 75 million. So if you include my NFTs, plus a golden boxing glove that I'm selling on eBay for 75 billion, that's going on next month. It's a golden boxing glove that I used to to knock out. What's his name? Who I box? I don't even care anymore. He's just irrelevant to me. <laughs> so, yeah. I got stung on the tongue by seven bees yesterday. That's why it's like this. <laughs> I need an EpiPen so bad, but I don't care because I'm too fucking hot for an EpiPen. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Sorry. You triggered my Jake Paul. Um, um, but yes, they're a YouTube empire. It's unbelievable. I I get your question. Like, what What's comedy? How do you go think about com- what is even the comedy space now? Right. I, so I can't speak to what comedy was. I can speak to the music scene I came from. Because that's the scene where I really put in my time in the grind of working clubs, playing for six people. Yeah. Um, you know, years and years and years of that. And it's probably not so different. Um, just but full disclosure, I got into this comedy scene really through the social media space. And what I've noticed is, but but I'm in a unique position because I'm not like when I do a stand-up set, I'm not on stage for the first time. I'm and I'm not green to the stage or the mic or the audience. It's just the format is different because it's yeah. stand up and not music. But I am familiar with how to work a crowd and dynamics and timing just from doing music for so many years. Yeah. So that gives me an interesting advantage because there's a lot of parallels and similarities between comedy and for music. For the live, for the stand up. For doing stand up. Yeah. But I can tell you that being able to build an audience really, really fast is great because it emancipates the creator. In other words, you don't have to be greenlit by some big network or audition to tell you that you're good or worth pursuing this or that your stuff might sell or that you will resonate with an audience. You can test all those things yourself and you get immediate direct feedback via these platforms to tell you if people are liking what you're doing. Yeah. The disadvantage of not having to go through that grind the way Burr and like comedians who've been in the game a long time have done it is live standup is not the same as sitting behind a phone editing yourself for 30 to 60 second clips. It's five minutes at the beginning or seven minutes or 10 minutes of you and a mic and a live audience. So if you're 
uncomfortable in that space or you think you could just get up there and do your TikToks, it's not going to work. Stand-up is a very different format that requires a whole – it requires a whole different set of written material yeah. to be worked out in front of a live audience and if you have people who are ready to show up for you and see your show, but you're not ready to give them something that is worth coming back for, you can trip over yourself and get a little bit ahead of yourself, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak, in terms of having people ready to see you in a live setting. But you're not, you don't have the like uh, fitness built up over the years of being able to get up in front of an audience and perform. Yeah. Well, you the know? endurance is just different, you know. It's, yeah, I'm just saying to have to be that kind, to be prepared to be able to do that because that's yeah. a whole different set of skills, and it doesn't mean you're not funny. But stand up comedy, when you're up there, you know, you know right away if you're not prepared, like you'll feel it and you'll know that um, uh, you're like up shit's creek without a paddle, like yeah. very very quickly. Yeah, it's like being up. You know, uh, or toilet paper, perhaps it's like, it's not, no, no, it's like, you know, but it's like doing a, a you know, you put together, a, you know, one song on guitar, you threw right. a video together on TikTok, yeah, you played that song really well and it went viral. And now everyone wants to come see you for an hour set. And all you know is one song played one way. And now you have to come up with an entire set and you can't play any other song and you can't play it any other way on that instrument. Yeah. But you're, but people are ready to see you for an hour. Yeah. So you either have to figure out a way to play catch up with that or just you have to put in your stage time. You have to put in your time to build up that live performance fitness ability to be resilient and have material that's strong and that works. So you kind of still have to start from the bottom up. I think there's no way around that when it comes to live performance. Um, but it's great to be able to cultivate and, and sustain and maintain an audience that will be ready to come see you when you're ready to perform for them. But I don't think you can skip the steps that it takes to get good at it, to get good at stand up per se. No, not yeah. at all. But I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of teenagers in their room who are viral on TikTok. Yeah. And, uh, and I met some of these, I met, you know, internet celebrity, you know, people with tens of thousands of followers who yeah. in real life are fucking weirdos. Right. Like they, they're very awkward at parties and like, I didn't enjoy hanging out with them mm -hmm. and online, like they're the coolest person ever. Right. Um, and then I that's met, I met them. In, so, but anyway, that's sort of a sidebar. But I you just, asked me how things have changed. And I think one of the things that's interesting is like the ability, the fundamental shift is the ability of the independent creator to not have any gatekeepers in their pursuit of building up an audience right. that will tell them if what they're doing is resonating with that mm. audience and they can build that audience and it takes a lot of work and a lot of hours and a lot of time, but you can do that. And I was watching an interesting debate between Tim Dillon, yeah. who's one of my favorite comedians on Joe Rogan, yeah, talking about what comedians should be doing now, because for a long time it was the, the process was you go to these mics and go to these clubs in New York or whatever, and just keep working it. Yeah. Then he was like, he was like, Joe, they shouldn't be doing this stuff. You're a comic. Forget it. You don't need, you should not be going to mics and doing stand up. And Joe's like, what are you talking about? It's still comedy lives and breeds at clubs. He's like, yes, Joe, but you need to be focusing on a podcast. Joe, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. No, but he was making a serious point that what, what comedians need to be doing, maybe in addition to that stand up work, is building their audience mm. via the online digital world. Yeah. You know, and that's how they're going to do it. You're not going to, you're not going to go to a club and then an agent's going to find you and put you on a sitcom. It's not going to happen. You'll fall in line. And he's like, it's not going to happen. 
where somebody's going to come with you in the 90s, early 2000s route, see your set, put you, it's like, you're not going to need to go to Montreal to these big festivals. That's not, that's not where things are headed. Right. Um, where th- this was his point. So it's interesting, but his point is it's headed in the direction of the, the new space of people creating their own platforms and their, their own channels with their own audiences. The, the, but the thing is, if you get up in front of that audience live, you need to be able to deliver no matter what. So that's going to still take the same process, but the means to success might be different than mm. what comics of, of the day had had to go through in right. terms of building the audience, not building the ability or the skill, but uh, I think still, but so, so the means of building the audience are different now and are shifting into uh it's like what Andrew Schultz once talked about. It's like, it's not TV network cable and network TV anymore. It's TikTok and YouTube and whatever the next thing is. Right. It's going to be the way to, to hustle and grind on those things. So you can build an audience and, but the means of actually getting good at something still stayed the same repetition, consistency, stage time, more videos, whatever it takes. Why would some person who's, very successful at having built, you know, like a comedy career on mm-hmm. social media of doing clips. Yeah. Um, even bother going to the clubs at all. I mean, uh, it's a different energy and it's a different reward. I'd say, you know, you, it's great. Comments are nice. Likes are nice. Shares are nice. But no, I know. I mean, it's, it's like, a, it's a different, but there's nothing form like the same a sport. live audience like, laughing yeah. with make you know, laughing at your jokes there's nothing like that interplay between the audience and the performer if you feel you don't have to it's not something you have to do per se you can you know and you could do full-on sketch comedy and make videos and things like that but if you're a performer and i am one you you really you really uh are sustained by that right that energy of a uh, getting on stage and performing for a live audience and you know giving that to them and that them back to you that give and take is addicting and rewarding and fulfilling so that's that would be the reason why and you also if you can do that it opens up a whole slew of opportunities for you yeah. in terms of you know being able to perform live and do things and you know that uh, having that as part of what you do and you're in the package is very can be very valuable and help you grow your audience and maintain a re a, a career out of it if people like, you know there's nothing like people especially people talk about how to monetize on social media and you know sell this and merch and they, showing up for a hard ticket and putting butts in the seats, that's one immediate way to have a career as an entertainer. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So that's why. I don't know if you were being rhetorical with the question, why do stand-up? But no, no, no. I, it's, yeah. I'm being, I'm yeah. just curious. Yeah. You know, so I think like that's, that's part of it. Some teenager in his room is becoming a TikTok celebrity. Like yeah. he's, you know, rolling in it. Why, mm-hmm. why, would, why would he want to? go and you know embarrass himself being a shitty stand-up comedian when he's a very successful tiktoker yeah i'd say self-awareness right no i'd say uh, do what works for you like if yeah. that's what works for him great i'm just saying you were asking also about this about comedians yeah. specifically so in that sense and stand-up and how it translates into the new stand-up era that we're going into yeah. i think we're going to start to see a lot of i don't really make predictions because i don't really know but <laughs> you're going to start Psychic. to see yeah somebody i imitate does but you're going to start to see more live versions of things right that are not just stand-up comedy yeah live podcasts live of multi-purpose events where it's some stand-up maybe some music guys like andrew schultz are trying to innovate in that way he's multi-purpose like, oh like uh, bo burnham yeah well he's like a musician and comedian that's his that's his act but you might see someone where a band opens the show and then there's a comedy set and then there's a podcast set like a festival like the sxsw All, type thing but not even in a festival even in one event like yeah. go see flagrant two live 
right? Like the flagrant two podcast. And they'll do, he'll do some stand up. They'll sit down. They'll have a con. I think you're going to see that kind of more innovation happening in comedy yeah. and, and fusions between music and comedy where like Schultz was like, we're competing with every single act out there. When you fill a stadium, you got to bring more maybe than, I mean, there's something special, obviously about just the mic and the comic and that, yeah. and that ability to fill an hour of time entertaining people in their seats with just that. So the simplicity has always been a beautiful thing, but it's also open to these, as people are consuming media in such different ways, it's not just like, oh, I watched the sitcom and that guy's on the sitcom, so I'm yeah. going to go see him live because he's a comic. He's on that show. You know, everybody loves Raymond. Got the stand-up and he's got his, <laughs> hey, what are you doing, Dubber? You know, he's got his thing. <laughs> We're going to go see him live. It's all based on the writing of the stand-up and the show's based on the stand-up. The stand-up's based on the show. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, so you're going to see a reflection of the way people are consuming so much media now with podcasting and stand-up specials. I think you're going to see a fusion of that. I think impulsive. I saw clips. They did a live podcast and they're going to do probably do more of that. It's great moneymaker. And it's a great way to like, you know, give your audience more of like a personal experience. It's exciting too. It's, yeah. it's sort of, uh, you know, you think of like, um, I don't know what point in history this happened, but you know, there were, it's, it's like a, a talent show almost. Mm -hmm. I remember in grade school, you call up one kid would play the clarinet. Then another kid would be, you know, juggling, you know, whatever. And then, you know, it, it's like, because we live in this age of atomization where people's tastes can be extremely niche and extremely tailored to all these different things. I'm sure this will play out in this too. It's like mm. you can choose what kind of comedy music combination you want, right. but it's, a, it's an interesting, I hadn't thought about this before. Like the appeal of like live spectacle is not to be understated yeah. everything's online everyone was locked up for two years mm -hmm. if you can go out you can fill a stadium and like see a bunch of cool shit like right. yeah i'd fucking go to that <laughs> yeah i like that those lines are being blurred now of like what what types of entertainment are like the standard things that people go to you know? yeah and tiktok has like just opened the hood on all the kinds of cool things people do you know like you said it's a talent show like tiktok when it the reason it was so cool is like it's pure internet at its finest, like you're seeing, you're seeing not just dance videos in the early days, but then you're seeing like, you know, all those weird things that were like, it had its own culture. Yeah. Like, you know, facts you never knew about. And then it's like nostalgia and throwback videos and then top the people compiling lists of just cool things. So that's why the experience for a lot of people is much more enriching than other social media platforms, which were just like duck face pictures. Like TikTok didn't, you have to make something cool to, to like, to put it on TikTok. Yeah. You didn't have to, but it wasn't worth, it wasn't going to get anything, but TikTok would reward things that people responded to. Yeah. So it, much, it was much more, it was much less social when it was starting. It was much more media and it was much more like, oh, wow, there's all this creativity everywhere and all these different kinds of funny. Mm. You know, that's what always was rewarding about TikTok too, like different kinds of funny. Um, different tastes. And, I mean, you, everyone has different yeah, tastes. Yeah, and like not just in the traditional sense. There was just like people who were like, you know, Hard to describe, but you'd be like, this guy's hilarious. And he does reaction videos. Yeah, yeah. And you could knock it, but it's like his facial expressions crack me up. And I just watch all his videos. So there are guys who've made careers out of just like, you know, and it sounds silly and it oh, sounds dumb. Oh, no, no. I, now I know you what can, you mean. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, knock yeah. it, but I'm like, this is what he did. And it and people respond. And they become a meme, basically. And yeah. like, it's hard enough to find things that people respond to. But uh it's like a Bill Burr once went off on a video. I once he was someone was talking to a some woman was like, "Can females make it?" And you know, you think female, you think they're a funny woman? He's like, "Of course." You talking about, of course, you know. And she's like, "He's like, you know what? 
Stop complaining, all right? Ride your own horse shit, and hopefully people respond to it. Okay, we're all out here e eating out of the same shit sandwich, you know? Ride your own horse shit, and hopefully people respond to it. It's like, that's the idea. You put stuff out, hopefully people respond, and you keep going. Yeah. So TikTok has been a cool space for that. Yeah. I mean, and I guess now there probably isn't a way to build a comedy career and not use social media. I mean, I'm sure there are, like, old guys mm -hmm. just for their for fun who you know make their way around the the clubs in new york sure. and that's like their thing they enjoy doing it mm -hmm. and then you know they go home to wife and family and yeah. go to bed yeah um uh but now like if you want to build a career as a comedian i perhaps you don't have the option of not using tiktok and facebook and whatever mm -hmm. it's like it's a requisite element of if you you want to you know be doing the clubs and, and all of that, that's fine. But if you want to like get picked up, because as you described earlier, there's no like Tammany Hall anymore. There's no mm -hmm. back channeling, backdoor deals. There's no like various factions of people that you have to please and doors you have to get your foot in and right. all of that. Like, well, the bigger entities get involved. Now you can see who's, who is like picking up steam. It's all available, all the information. Oh, it's somebody's totally, hot. Yeah. People can jump on it. So the entities that are bigger are there, but they really are watching for a much longer period of time to see how an artist or- You mean like Netflix or whoever? Anybody, even representation and managers and whoever it is that want to get involved, you know, they can see how you do on your own first because you have all these channels available to you to distribute, market and put out content and build an audience completely on your own without any funding or resources necessary. It used to be, hey, this guy, I saw him do a set. He's got potential. We're going to we're gonna invest in this guy because there was no other way to test it otherwise. It's yeah. Just, you know, how would you know? But now you have the ability to mar broadcast yourself to a huge audience. So that's what happens. There's a lot of risk averse wait and seeing on creators to see what happens before other people get involved. Um, but I do see like people who've been in the game a long time. There's an adjustment where it's hard to adjust to this new space because I mean, I can I can tell you from like the musician side, like making videos and posting them. I think for a lot of artists, uh, musicians, especially and other kinds of creators, like especially and, and comics who've been doing it a long time to them, video and, and especially social media is promotional. Yeah. They see it purely as a promotional tool, not a creative tool. And I think that's a big mistake. Excellent. They point. look at social media as the, as the commercial. And I make the point a lot. It, what I discovered in using TikTok for comedy was it's not the commercial. It's the show. It's like, Oh yeah. It's so obvious. Make good stuff and post it. Like it seems so obvious, but for a lot of people, they're like, hey, come to my show, playing at this thing. Then that's where the fun is. Like, come to my show or go check out my special or yeah. come check out this. That's where the good stuff it's is. It's a redirect and, and, link. And I'm like, yeah. oh, when people are using this stuff, they want to be entertained from right away. It's like, imagine if you told everyone to come to a club, you showed up and said, hey, guys, thanks for coming to this club. I'm going to be doing something else there. You guys should come. People would be like, why did I show up here? So that's how they approach TikTok. The user is like, why did I show up on your page to be told to go somewhere else? It's like they want to be entertained there. So TikTok is the show, not the commercial or TikTok or Instagram or wherever or YouTube. That's, that's the ends, not the means in a sense. And through providing those kind, providing that value to people to be entertained on your social media with, with stuff that's funny or interesting or whatever, you're building that audience and you've already given something without asking for anything. Oftentimes we're asking, you know, the mistake is being promotional and asking, Hey, I'm asking you to do something for me, but I haven't done anything for you. Yeah. So it, so looking at it as a promotional tool exclusively is is where I kind of figured out, oh, I'd been looking at it the wrong way for a long time. Mm. 
So in, in doing comedy and putting a lot of stuff out there and getting reactions, I was like, oh, well, the video has to be has to be good. Seems so obvious staring at me right the whole time. But, you know, especially with music, it's challenging because you've already made music and you want to and you want people to go listen to it. Like the right. art form is, is kind of done and you want people to go see it. So it's hard to think visually as a video creator as opposed to the video just being a promotional tool for, to get people to go hear your music. With comedy, it's a little easier because the, the video is the comedy. You know, you're making a funny video and that is the piece of art that you've made. Yes. You know, so it, it does go hand it's from, in hand. It's from scratch. So it, it requires a more creative jump when you're making music and you want a band wants to go check it out, but you just have to take that jump and start doing video creation uh, with a musical angle of like performing on camera. So how should the band, if your song is already recorded yeah. and the album is pressed and ready right. to ready to go um you would post like a clip of a song but the song is already finished but you have to sing it out of your asshole no um (laughs) i would uh i would i would just make good stuff on your page and as people like your stuff they will find your other music yeah 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 but but original stuff for your page original stuff whatever i mean my recommendation would be you know do stuff that when people come to your page they're, they're they're moved or entertained you know like put out you know, versions of your songs, different ways, playing it, performing it, other songs, cover songs, whatever it takes. Yeah. To, you have to find a separate voice that is your TikTok or Instagram voice. Yeah. Artistically. So people are coming there independently entertained by that. Yeah, sure. And then they're like, I love this band. I'm going to go see them live. I'm going to buy their record. I'm going to do these other things. But if you go, just make videos that are about go check out this single, go check out this, this, I'm going to be playing there. That's not compelling. Right. You know, every once in a while, sure. Give yourself a, you know, I saw Ed Sheeran put out a video once where he said, like, Instagram, I use it purely for promotional purposes. It's purely promotional. And I didn't buy that at all because I think he makes a lot of good content. He doesn't realize it. But it's not purely promotional. It's the opposite. It's it's emotional entertainment value kind of stuff. You're making art. And he would say, I use it purely promotionally. But I don't think you will go to Ed Sheeran's page and you're watching a bunch of promos for his stuff. Yeah. But maybe that's how he approaches it. I I. I I, I don't I can't speak to all his content. I don't watch I don't consume that much of it, but I saw a video of him talking about it that way, saying the exact opposite point that I'm making. And um yeah, Ed Sheeran's totally wrong. <laughs> and I have the street cred. No, I mean, whatever. He's Ed Sheeran. He could say what he wants. But that point to me, I think, is misguided and a lot of people will take it that way of like, oh, I have to just promote on my social media. I think yeah. it's it's good too, because um I mean, creating stuff is cool yeah. and interesting. And I like original and shit. I, yeah. And a lot of people are focused on the followers and the growth. How do I get more followers? It's like, okay, but why do you want followers? What are they coming to see? You know, think about it that way. Like how to get a thousand followers in a month. We can get you to this level, 20 K followers. Are you interested in getting 50 K followers? And as like for a lot of musicians, it's like, I've made this music. Sure. I would love all those followers to come see it, but it's like, they're coming first to your social media. You got to give them a show. Uh, and gotta, it's yeah. like, all you, you know, the first step before any of that stuff, thinking about followers and all that and growth and all those things is, are you making good stuff every day and posting it consistently? Are you making videos that are a, a good watch for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, you know? And that's the challenge. That's hard. It's a really hard thing to do to stay consistent and be a video creator. And yeah. in, t- in terms of like just sheer originality, some of the research I did in college was on, um, the rise of glam metal in the 80s. So like mm-hmm. how Motley Crue came to be. And you Dr. Know, Feelgood. Is that them, right? That that would be the one. He's the one that called Dr. Feelgood. He's the one that made feel. Sorry, keep going. You got me going. That's Dr. Feelgood. 
That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. Um, I sort of traced the uh, origins, I guess, of Motley Crue back to like Little Richard, and then mm-hmm. I went through Alice. I went to you know traced Little Richard to Alice Cooper to yeah. Motley Crue, and this sort of increasing theatricality of the musical act. Like mm-hmm. people, Alice Cooper was just chopping off heads on stage with a chainsaw, right? Um, and so. The idea that they're not just there purely for the music, they're there for the showmanship, for the theatricality, uh-huh. for the experience with the pyrotechnics right. and the smoke and the fucking Alice Cooper chopping off heads and, yeah. and little Richard like, you know, dancing around all over the place. Um, it's sort of, you know, people came because it was original and it was it was interesting. And back then there was no TikTok. So anyway, to your, to your point about. Yeah, gonna, I mean, I. I, at the same time, you had, I mean, in the 80s, that was glam rock, but you've always had eras of different things that involve a, sometimes just a simple folk singer-songwriter filling a stadium. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that there's always been a visual component to mm. music, even before there was video. I mean, vinyl records were dressed up in interesting art and sleeves that were fun to look at and pieces yeah. that were tangible. And there's always been this pairing because as we experience things like we're not, you know, most people can see so they want to be moved by something visual in addition to music. So the music on its own is obviously sufficient, but in terms of building an audience, there's the whole experience. When you see somebody live, you're getting everything. And then when you pick up there, there's mer- there's always been merchandise and there's always been logos and design and the an aesthetic. So TikTok is really just that expanded, not just TikTok, but any sort of making videos to support what you're doing and grow an audience um, is just expanding that aesthetic and creating something, you know, around, around you know, to just help expand what your music is doing you know it's the whole package it's yeah. not just because i don't want to think i don't want to get off the i feel like the idea of like you have to bite off a goose's head and be crazy in order <laughs> the music isn't enough it kind it is i just mean you it's never been separate from from the visual component uh, but fully. you know most of the i don't know i i happen to like at least some of motley Crue's music mm-hmm. i do not like alice cooper's music right I liked watching the videos. Right, I mean, okay. I don't like watching porn, but mm. or like torture porn. I mean, yeah. but <laughs> Chris will yeah. edit that out. Yeah. Um, but you know, Alice Cooper, like um, the, the music itself, isn't in, in my opinion. I, I think some people go there less for the music than for the show. Right. Whereas, but it's the artist, the, people yeah. like that's a more holistic view of. People are responding to him as an artist. Yeah. Like everything he's doing. Mm. So it's not just people are not listening to songs in isolation. I like that song. I like that song. The, the people respond to stories and artists and characters. Right. The and whole... that's what he was embodying all of those things. And music was a part of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same with Motley Crue. It's like yeah. it's a whole lifestyle. They right. were the debauched, right. hedonistic, whatever. So there's a culture. Obviously, you can't separate those two. It's all a part of something mm. um, bigger than just a single song or a record, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. He's not what they call Dr. Fan. We should sting the episode uh, intro and outro with that. We should. We should. Chris yeah. will get on it. I'll just every once in a while, I'll just be walking and just sing that to myself. It'll pop in. <laughs> Dr. Oh, you gotta love it. They're doing a revival tour now. Really? If Vince, you know, is sick or something, Isn't they should call d- you. He's still alive, Vince. Didn't uh, someone Vince one of them? Neil? He is very Vince? much still alive. Yeah. I mean, I really. Yeah. 
<laughs> They're I all alive. He had like a plastic mess, like a lot of plastic surgery on the face, right? I remember like in the early 2000s, there were like TLC reality shows with like him like, you know, coming out of plastic with facelifts and all that stuff. It's possible. You know? I, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely him. <laughs> I think all of them are still alive, original members. They're all still alive. Yeah, there were four of them. Well, <laughs> they replaced Vince with... um some guy in the 90s very briefly uh and then mm-hmm. they got rid of the replacement and vince right. came back there was a whole little falling out okay molly crew has had a revival because of that movie the dirt right with machine gun kelly and and whoever there else a was pam and tommy documentary or something like that oh now there is yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a, a short tv show right i didn't i haven't watched i think it. it's an animated kid series now it might be nice. an animated kid series <laughs> yeah um yeah. tommy uh Tommy is a great role model for the children. Sure. They all are. Sure. They all are. <laughs> um, oh, man. How do you choose or how do you go about deciding whose impression you're going to do? Like, do you have a little notebook and you like every time you hear something, you're like, oh, like maybe I'll impersonate him or, you know, how do you go about deciding who you're going to impersonate? Right. Because I, you can impersonate anyone like decently well. Right. I mean, but like if you want to be really good, like you're, you're known for your Gary Vee impression. Like right. how do you, how do you choose who gets to, you know, who gets the honor? Right. Um, I, I really am. I'm looking for funny more than a particular impersonation. I'm looking for something I can make funny. Like I'm not saying, uh, the second I catch myself saying, okay, what Gary Vee video am I going to do today? It's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm aiming to do right go where i think there's funny so i'll spend a little bit of time sometimes just like browsing social media yeah. and finding videos and there's particular corners that are fun like the gurus and self-help guru space uh, entrepreneurship gurus the grant cardones the ty lopez's all that stuff is ripe with good ideas for parody i do have in my notepad like on my phone tons of different people i can do yeah so I, like if i'm looking for inspiration they just need ideas i've written down a ton of different things right anyone from gary v to judge judy to <laughs> tony robbins to all these different people and sometimes it'll come to me and when it comes to me i write it down and i'll even put like on my daily this week's content i'm gonna do this if i come across something that i'm like oh i've got to riff on that because that is too funny or alex jones will be a guest on flagrant too and i'll be like i'm gonna rip this parody because he and also thinking of funny ideas and how to parody it and spoof it because yeah. i like doing that that's like part of one of the things is like parody of things that i follow so like um you know i don't know gary v was just on an impulsive episode and i'm like oh this will be an interesting opportunity and i'll come up with ideas based on that but i have written down like characters bits ideas bits for stand-up bits for sketch mm. long form sketch ideas that'll be better for a longer video so i'm always writing down different things as they come to me yeah um and if there's a particular episode of something if jordan peterson i've come across is on a particular episode of something maybe i'll i'll perhaps go there you know i'm not set to anything but i'll see that i'll be like oh i Douglas Murray and Jordan Peterson have a conversation, so maybe I'll spoof it and fum- come up with some funny angle on it. You know? Right. Like, uh, I think, I think, like, Brett Weinstein was on an episode of Lex Fridman's podcast, you know? I don't know, you know who Lex Fridman is? Uh, no. Um, Probably, sh- maybe but I should. It's like, it's like an intellectual podcast. He has a lot of thinkers on. So, I, I don't know, I decided to spoof that, where <laughs> it was talking about ivermectin, but he was also talking about Viagra. Second edition to Ivermectin, Lex, I also took a Viagra pill before I went on Joe Rogan. And I can tell you that while it was very helpful, it was also very dangerous. I mean, I couldn't stand up for three hours. I mean, and I can tell you that the Viagra was effective and it 
the entire time I was on the podcast, I did not test positive for COVID. <laughs> so there could be a link between Viagra and COVID prevention. Now, we don't know this, and we have to be very careful. <laughs> very careful. Yeah, exactly. Um, because, you know, the combination of Viagra and Ivermectin, vi Vivermectin, as I call it, it's, it's a cocktail I've created. You see, I'm just riffing on it now. This combination can leave you hard and COVID free for months. <laughs> And that's something that Heather has really benefited from. Oh, absolutely. Abs it's been nonstop. He bumps into walls and knocks over things. I don't even mind. I don't even mind at all. Vivermectin is the solution for COVID and erectile dysfunction. And I think that that, if you gave everybody this cocktail that Brett has created, you'd have fully erect COVID negative patients constantly. And, you know, so that's an example. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. For the example. Now you need to be very careful. I'm semi-erect right now. Um, so uh, that's Sam Harris' response. Uh, I wanted to respond to his Vivermectin video. Uh, I don't do a Sam Harris. I've been trying to crack that one. That's another. It's more just like, it's very. So you can do a funny aspect of it, but the Sam Harris impression I don't have down. It's just. I'm going to do a video at some point where he gets on Joe Rogan, but just puts everyone to sleep. He's mm. like, Sam, what are your thoughts? Well, Joe, I, and everyone's just like Jordan's there too. And a bunch of people are just dozing off. Getting a bit sleepy, Sam. You know, it's so relaxing. <laughs> your bloody voice is knocking me out. <laughs> um, anyway, as a comedian, I digress a little bit. Sorry. No, you're all yeah. good. Yeah. It, I mean, it's sort of similar yeah. to my. That's how I come up with ideas. Anyway, that's that. That's where we were to button it. Yes, that is where we were. I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, yeah it yeah. seems. You're saying the process of who to impersonate. I don't know. Just whatever I can think of, but I write them down as I think of them. Well, no, I mean it's a similar thing. Like I'm a writer, a creative mm -hmm. writer. I used to carry around this little, you know, three or four inch like notebook, mm -hmm. in my, and every time I'd hear like. You know, a phrase would come into my mind or I hear a song lyric that mm -hmm. like stuck in. I would write it down. Yeah. And at the end of the week or month or whatever it was, not the month, the end of the week, I would review my notebook and there'd be, it'd just be a random collection of things like a quote someone said. Like the other day, one of my friends said to me, life is simple. We just make it hard. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck, like that's, that is rather profound. Yeah. You know, to write that down or I write down like. Sure. As a song lyric. Resonant or, ideas. Yeah, like the flip, because if you don't write it down, it'll be gone forever. Correct. So I know? do. I write down constantly funny things or I voice memo a bit I'm thinking of or an impression. If I clicked on the impression, I just like do the impression into my phone and be like, this is what it is. Like, and I'll do it so I can like cue it back later. Stuff like that constantly. Yeah. It's yeah, similar. It's the there's, there's no, it's not necessarily organized for mm -hmm. me. It's just what pops into what pops into mind and then it can be a great hook for an article or sure. for a book or you know whatever yeah yeah so i've been doing that for years voice memos up the wazoo and notepads of different things but i have it organized into like impressions sketches bits i have like a google doc that i update all the time with bits that i try to add and i've been trying to as a daily regimen just like write a little bit of stand-up every day just like expound upon a joke and just refine it do those kinds of processes to stay consistent with it yeah sure yeah. well look man you're not a performing monkey, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, we're all some type of ape. I know what's coming, but go ahead, yeah. Uh, well, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Um, but I can't help. I can't help myself here. Yeah. 
Um, I've devised a you couple. You want me to take a Viagra? I get it. It's coming. I, I actually already put some in your LaCroix. Um, I knew it. That's why I've been squirming yeah, around on this couch. You know, because I wanted to yeah. um, get that Brett Weinstein bit out of you. Vi- Viver- so I, Vivermectin. I Vivermectin. Vivermectin. It's called Vivermectin. It's Can we get Vivermectin for everyone it's, here? Chris, could you fetch us some Vivermectins, please? It's a, it, it's, <laughs> it's a combination, and then you need to take some Revdesimir up your ass. It's amazing. Um, yes. So... Well, now, now that we're all uh, sufficiently um, hydrated mm. with Vivermectin, yeah. you know, I was just thinking- I hope this doesn't get you flagged from YouTube because I didn't say Ivermectin. I said Vivermectin. So it is. Know. Well, it's a new thing. A I think the pharmaceutical companies should probably pay us. You're going to get slapped with like, to find out more about COVID and erectile dysfunction, click this link. They're going to put all these disclaimers on. And then they're going to put, you know, at the end of those- um, Medical commercials in it's the a US. Joke, is, YouTube, a joke. Yeah. The US is one of the only countries in the world where you can put like TV commercials for medicine. Yeah. And then they say all this horrible shit at the end. By yes. the way, you complete it. I know they don't do that death. in other countries, right? Yeah. They can't do well, that. like, you know, anyway, yeah. after the Vivermectin thing, unfortunately, we might have to have Brett in his like soft spoken voice say, by the way, this might kill you. Oh, uh, yeah. The side effects for Vivermectin are being hard and COVID free. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. 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 Well, okay, Ami. Hmm. What would happen if <laughs> Johnny Depp went and asked Jordan Peterson for advice on his music career? Oh, well, I would, I would say that Dr. Peterson, I, I always wanted to be a musician and <laughs> became an actor <laughs> by chance. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> life is complicated, Johnny, and you don't plan that, but. In order to get good at something, you have to start by not being very good at all. Well, yes, I, I wasn't very good at all act, at acting. I, I wanted to play guitar, but <laughs> then my wife shat in my bed. <laughs> well, you know, shitting the bed, especially intentionally, is disastrous consequences. You know, that's bloody chaotic. You know, and a lot of women, a lot, you know, they, they think in this <laughs> toxic... Position that they take against the patriarchy, they can go around defecating in people's beds as if that's some sort of feminist source of pride. I think that's a bloody mistake. And you know, a lot of women, a lot, are paying the price for that. Don't shit the bed. I think you, I think you said that very well, Dr. Peterson. And I wouldn't shit the bed, but I just want to play guitar. Well, you know, you should do that. But make sure you take a shit beforehand, you know? You don't want to hold that in. It could be toxic and, and, and bloody... Absolutely detrimental to your being and your soul. Well, I think that pretty much sums it up. Okay. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Mm. I feel that I was just in a room with (laughs) Johnny Mm. and Jordan, and now I have some good advice on... A megapint. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A megapint. Anthony Fauci approaches Gary Vee and asks him to explain social media. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Vaynerchuk. <laughs> what up? Anthony, what the fuck is going on, Tony? I fucking love this shit so much. I honestly think you're massively underrated, right? I know like people were freaking out about your like abundance of caution, but I think you stop, have to stop giving a fuck about other people's opinions. Well, I appreciate that very much, Mr. Vaynerchuk, but... I did have a question. I'm trying to rebrand myself after my reputation has been so tarnished on CNN, right? Honestly, I think CNN is just 
They're legacy players and they have no idea what the fuck is going on in the future. But I honestly think people, I think even you on some real shit are worried about COVID because you're insecure. Well, I'm not insecure. In fact, I, I honestly, on some real shit, you could think that, but like, I think you're insecure. I think you care too much about other people's opinions. Well, what do you suppose I do going forward? Are you on LinkedIn? That's a real shit. Tony, Tony, are you on LinkedIn? Uh, I have a profile. Yes. You need to be posting on LinkedIn like 80 times a day, every 10 minutes. Like, I really believe that. That's a real shit. Like 80 times a day, every 10 minutes. I'm a busy man, Gary. That's a fucking excuse, Tony. It's a fucking excuse, right? Like, like, like it just is, right? Like, like it just is. I understand. Okay. 80 times a day, every 10 minutes. I'll do my best. And honestly, like, stop worrying about COVID so much, okay? I think you're worried about COVID because your parents and a lot of parents, especially immigrant parents, like, are, like, overly abundance of caution insecure about disease, right? But, like, I don't even fucking wash my hands, let alone wear a fucking mask, right? I buy MetaMasks, but I don't fucking wash my hands. Well, you should certainly wash your hands, Gary. I, I don't fucking believe that. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's like a fucking illusion, Right? Like, and a lot of parents, especially immigrant parents, believe that in washing your hands. I don't fucking wash my hands, right? Natural immunity leads to community. Like, I, re like I really believe that. Uh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, there you go. I, I think you're wildly misguided, Mr. Vaynerchuk. Well, luckily, I don't give a fuck about your opinion. Like, on some real shit. Stop biting your nails and spreading droplets. I think you could use some of my droplets for... Po my droplets are made of fucking positivity. On some real shit. <laughs> Like, I really believe that, right? Like, okay, LinkedIn it is. You ever run out of nail to bite or you're not actually biting your nails? Uh, do I, well, luckily mine are so fucking resilient. They grow back in two minutes. It's always been like that. Like, that's a real shit. It's always been like that. Like, I, I bite it, grows back like a fucking tooth of a great white shark. Boom, reserves. Like it came back. I'm I'm happy for you. you I'm so happy that you're happy, right? Like I believe in happiness so much. Like I love every fucking human so much, but also in business, I'm a fucking assassin and I want to kill all of you. <laughs> like I do. Like I really want to. I want to murder you. <laughs> I want to throw you out of the fucking window because I love you so much. And I think death is also just like an illusion. Like I think I'm coming back after death. Like I'm gonna live forever. I'm turning myself into a fucking NFT. Like that's some real shit. We'll live forever in the metaverse. I don't know if it's going to be metaverse. Honestly, my prediction is metaverse is not, <laughs> I, potentially slightly overrated a little bit early. Like I really believe that, but Garyverse, Vaynerverse for sure. <laughs> yeah. Rami, who's your favorite comedian? Oh, such a good question. I don't know if I have a favorite comedian. Um, I love so many different comics. Um, I love in the moment. Tim Dillon is up there as one of my favorites right now. Mm. Were you listening to Tim Dillon before he was on Joe Rogan? Um, that's not like a trick question. Like, no, no, I was. I did the podcast. I probably was watching. I mean, I, I I consume most of my podcasts as like YouTube clips. Like I watch a lot yeah. of YouTube version, like yeah. clips of podcasts. Um, so I the first time I discovered him was actually at a show in LA. There was like a sh uh, show called the shadow band show mm. and it was Andrew Schultz 
uh, Andrew Santino, Tony Hinchcliffe, and Tim Dillon. And I didn't know who Tim Dillon was. My friend did, and my my podcast co-host took me to come check him out. We kind of saw how, a little bit of his set, but he was kind of obscure then. He was un- unknown. Yeah. And like, but they everybody murdered that night. And then I sort of did, dug dug deeper into Tim Dillon and Rogan. Also, I I was watching. I watched those episodes with him on it, but. I was watching clips of his stuff and he was always just cracking me up. I so I love his whole angle on things and his perspective is amazing. Um, I love Andrew Schultz. I love Sebastian Maniscalco for writing stuff. Like I love watching even cleaner comics who are really about the material and like, you know, Gaffigan and um, um, there's other comics. I, every time I get this question, Nate I, yeah, yeah. Nate's got a more mellow energy. But I like appreciating like jokes on their own merit, like just the jokes and seeing how that works. Yeah. I'm getting into the writing process more. Um, love Sebastian. I love uh, Sebastian who? Maniscalco. Sebastian yeah. Maniscalco is great. I love Patrice O'Neill. Hmm. Rest his soul. He was he was awesome. Um, Bill Burr, obviously, and Louis C.K. and these uh, ever, that everyone recognizes as some of the greatest comics. They're great. Um, I also identify a lot with like hybrid music comedians like Reggie Watts uh, or Bo Burnham. And I haven't watched that much Bo Burnham, but the idea of using music in a comedic act to enhance the comedy. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, one of my goals creatively is to integrate that because I do do a lot of, I performed as a musician for right. a long time, as I mentioned, and I, I could do live looping and all these other kinds of things. So there's like those hybrid guys who I identify with that could do a bit of both. Mm. So I like looking to them for inspiration, but yeah, I kind of, there's a place in my head for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Um, I love what Schultz has been able to do in terms of building up his audience online and then take that and build this whole empire. Right. Andrew Schultz and the flagrant two space of what they've been able to do. And his crowd work is on, is like untouchable. He's one of the best crowd work comics I've seen. Um, crowd work, meaning like working, just working the off crowd. the crowd and improvising off of that and creating just, I, I discovered more over the pandemic, uh, Sam Morrill and Mark Normand. Okay. Watching a lot of their stuff more through TikTok. I discovered Sam, but then I started watching more and I want to go see them live more. Oh, and I have to give a shout out to Jesse Kirsten. Do you know who Jesse Kirsten is? I don't. Oh my God. Just an assassin live. Um, I came to this random show of hers once that she did at some like hotel for like some private event mm. that she was brought in to do. It's like a really random thing, but a friend of mine was opening. So I went to go see it. You're right. And my ribs were like broken by the end. <laughs> Jesse Kirsten, Kirsten, Kirsten. I don't want to get it wrong, but um, we've been in touch a little bit, but she's really amazing. And she was just on Tim's podcast too. She's one of the best standups I've ever seen. I have to watch her yeah. now. Yeah. Jessica Kirsten to check that out. So those are some good recs. What? Um, I mean, you're a comedian, so mm. I don't know that you would have just one, but do you have a particular joke or one liner that sticks out as favorite maybe isn't the appropriate word but something even a stupid joke? i can tell oh. you my favorite which is incredibly stupid what what do you call an alligator and a vest an investigator oh god <laughs> that's a good one that's um, cute i don't know a joke joke or a one-liner uh rodney dangerfield whatever um yeah i'll tell you what i mean my <laughs> wife you know she tells me hey, hey, I'll tell you what I'll do. um I don't have, you know, it's hard to do those like a, you know, a joke joke, but let me think. I don't know. From when you were a child, not now, whatever. Oh, I used to have a joke when I was a little kid. Sure. I used to tell as a child, which got a lot of laughs as a child. Like, why can't wizards have sex? I don't know. I mean, why can't wizards have sex? Because they have crystal balls. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it'd be better as Gary. Why can't wizards have sex? Honestly. 
because they're insecure. <laughs> right? They have so many powers, but you know what? They don't have the power of fucking branding. <laughs> Honestly, Gandalf hasn't gotten laid in like seven years. Like you shall not pass is really like a metaphor. I really believe that. You shall not pass. He's holding a big phallic looking stick. He's like, I haven't stuck this in anything. Right? <laughs> right? Crystal balls, like only I can predict the future. Like I really believe that. And I don't need a fucking crystal ball to do it. I just need to know what's in here and what's in my heart. Because I really believe that. Anyway, that's my joke joke. I'm glad I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I was able to hear that one. And then just final question here to wrap up. There's a lot of people who watch your stuff and they, you know, they think it's great. They love it. It's hilarious. Um, and they want to get into the comedy racket. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you have for some, you know, teenager in his bedroom in Delaware or wherever the hell he is watching you being like, oh, like this guy is in the words of Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. Like, this is some real shit. This right. is funny. Like, what advice would you give to some, you know, young teenage kid starting out thinking like, oh, maybe I want to do this as a career? Gratitude. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Whenever I get a layup like that, I just do. Um, they should have gratitude, honestly. Like, imagine their family was brutally murdered every day. And if they do that, they'll be successful. Um, listen, exposure therapy. The only way to do some, to get good at something is to do it. As uncomfortable as, as it is in the beginning. And as a serious matter, Jordan Peterson, I saw a video that came out that he said, like, in order to get good at anything, you have to start by not being very good at all. And that's very unpleasant. Most people don't want to go through that process, whether it's learning guitar and they're like, ah, it's very unpleasant. Those first workouts when you're trying to get in shape are so unpleasant yeah. until it becomes pleasurable and nice. And you don't know if you're going to enjoy it until you at least get through that threshold. Right. Um, Seth Godin is an author who talks about the dip where you in, embark on any creative endeavor. There's always that dip where you get into this space where you're not good and it sucks. But if you push through that, the people who can push through that and get to the point where you can actually enjoy it again, because at first you're like all enthusiastic. Oh, I want to play guitar. I want to do this thing. I want to get good at this. I love it. I love making jokes. I'm friendly. I'm funny with my friends. And then you dive in and you're like, oh my God, I'm awful. And you don't even know how awful you are. Right. But the exposure therapy is what's most important. Applying yourself to doing it. So if it's stand-up comedy, going to mics, going to clubs, working stuff out, writing every single day as a regimen, as a discipline. Set aside time to make sure you write every single day and set yourself up in an environment that's going to allow you to actually, you know, pull through on your commitments to yourself. Mm. So I like write literally on a whiteboard next to me the things I want to be getting done on a regular basis. <clears throat> write, stand up daily. And I put it there so I stare at it all the time. And I think a lot of those environmental things really do work because one of the things, and I talk about this on my podcast a lot, is everybody has ideas and goals and aspirations. And they just remain in your head swimming around. Yeah. And they could be that way for years. And then the burden just gets bigger and bigger. Oh, I really wanted to do this this year. I want this to happen. I want this to be happening. I want to start a podcast. I want to do this. And then you're just like, I wanted this. I wanted this. I wanted this. And it's just now this, you're carrying this yoke of like a heavy, heavy burden of these potentialities, these things you want to do that aren't real things. How do you break that? And I think a lot of people get advice about, oh, just do this, just do that. But there's a deeper question is, what do you do in order to do something? Like, right. How do you set yourself up to, to actually execute on goals and ideas and aspirations. And I think it's all about creating systems for yourself that on a daily basis, you're doing the things that will inevitably lead to the things that you want to happen. Moving the and needle. that means write it, write it down in front of you so that you have a visual of the things that you want to be doing. And on a daily basis, say, don't say, I want to do it. I want a Netflix special. That's what I want. Cause that's some big lofty goal. What does that mean? How are you going to get there? It's no write Comedy every day. 
that's and as long as you're doing that, you're winning. Like that's the victory, not the Netflix special. That maybe that comes, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it comes in a different form. Maybe Netflix doesn't exist in 30 years, and it's another thing. Maybe it's a maybe everyone has their own Netflix. You know what I mean? Like in and, and, and you're and that becomes what the legacy media of today that's dying is. You just don't know. But what you do know is you're applying yourself every day creatively and building up creative fitness so mm -hmm. that when the opportunities do come, you're ready for them. Yeah. You write stand up every day and then you get an opportunity to do a 15 minute set and you have a ton of material to test out. If you don't, if you haven't been writing every day and you're just trying to get that opportunity, you're not going to be prepared for it. Write things down, put them in front of you and create systems in which you're participating in these systems every single day to work on your creative fitness, write a little bit of music every day. doesn't have to be perfect. Just start. I think Simon Sinek, you know who that is? Some no. guru guy. He was just like, it, it's not about accomplishing the goal. It's just about starting. All you have to do is yeah. do something and yeah. start something and do that on a daily basis and be consistent with it. And that's the very first step that most people miss. They're trying to aim for here before they're like stepping onto here. Yeah. Cool. That's good advice. So <laughs> well, I mean, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Great, great to be here, and thank you for having me. Hope we. I think we. I had fun. I had fun. Yeah, <laughs> I covered covered quite a bit. Yes, and we lot. discovered yeah. a uh, a new mystery drug. So that's good. If I say it one more time, you'll get flagged on YouTube, so I'll leave it alone. But we'll we'll, we'll link to it in the comments. Yeah. Uh, we'll sell it on Alex Jones Infowars. Right? Infowars, ivermectin. I'm sorry, I had to say it. You go to InfoWars now and you'll get Vibramectin and that will give you a hard on and prevent you from getting COVID ever again. I can swear by it. I'm taking it right now. And boy, am I stiff as a dog. <laughs> How's that for a close? It's, it's Thank you so much. Good to be here. <laughs>